0: what is up guys welcome back to another episode of the running and gunning podcast we are on episode 51 hopefully making another big hurdle uh we're down 50 episodes super excited about that um i just want to thank all you guys that are tuning in um tonight we're going to get into my whole story of my elk uh, my experience and really i just i just hope that you know some of you guys will take this and I just hope that maybe I can inspire one of you guys to plan that dream trip that you've really been putting off and think maybe it's too expensive or whatever the excuse is. It's like, just realize that, you know, you're young. Um, even, you know, you're not going to get any younger than you are right now. And it's a physically demanding thing. You know, a lot of us, a lot of us have seen a lot of guys, uh, you know, that may have taken elk that might not be in the best shape. But I'm telling you right now, um, from my experience, it is absolutely necessary. I know I used to be one of those guys that used to kind of talk crap about cam Haynes and oh, you don't need to do that to elk hunt. And I've even heard that from some of my friends. But I know for a fact, guys, there's no way that I could have ever done what I did without being in good shape and. I hope I'm a model because I'm honestly not in like peak physical condition. Let's just be real. Um, I just worked out and I did a lot of stair steppers. That was one thing that really got me prepped for this hunt and, uh, really got me, you know, in the, I think the most important thing I did after all of this was just leg exercise, core exercise, and just getting my, uh, my legs prepped for days in the mountains. Um, but I think what we're going to do, this is going to be the first time I'm doing a solo podcast. It's just going to be me. Um, and I hope you guys enjoy this. I'm going to do my best to portray, um, you know, a true story of everything that, that unfolded. I mean, this place is just magical. Um, I really don't know how else to describe it It was a life-changing hunt. Uh, I feel like a completely different person just immersing myself in the outdoors there. Um, it's unlike anything that i've ever done i can't com- i can't really compare it um a little bit to it's a, it's a mildly like turkey hunting but uh on steroids um so yeah let's get into this uh i made some notes i'm going to try and just stay on course and just kind of break down stuff and get into what i thought was uh you know the important things to cover so to get this started you know we kind of talked about you know fitness and stuff like that I think some of my favorite pieces of gear that I believe, uh, made me successful, um, for one was, you know, having quick access to my bino harness, to my rangefinder, And, um, you know, my, I was using a marsupial, um, you know, whatever bino harness you guys, uh, are, you know, comfortable with go with it. Um, I just found the marsupial was great day in, day out no issues, really enjoyed using it. I had a pair of, uh, 10 by 42 Vortex Viper binoculars. They were great. Um, you could use a little bit better, but if you guys are out there, um, you know, maybe on a DIY trip, I'd say bring a spotting scope, just really try to keep it minimal. Um, my other favorite part or or piece of gear that I had was a uh, bladder in my backpack. Um, I had the Tenzing TS-14, I believe is what it's called. It was an awesome pack. It was kind of funny. The guy, Kevin, uh, we'll get into who I was hunting with, um, but he had one too. It was just kind of funny that we both were running the same pack. Um, for my boots, I had a pair of Mountain Extremes from Kennetrek, and I uh, I've kind of grew to dislike them, if I'm being honest with you guys. um. I ran my Solomons um and I'm sorry that I don't know exactly what brand they are. If you guys are interested, holler at me. I'll I'll be happy to tell you. But I was really happy with my Solomons and they were just lightweight, very comfortable, and I had some um some alpaca socks that just when I put them on, my feet were so much more comfortable. I never got a blister. Um we covered several miles. I'm going to do a day breakdown as we go on with this. And I'll let you guys know, you know, how many miles we covered, but basically day one, it was, you know, I think nine miles. Um, day two was, I think 11 and day three, I did 13. Um, and day three being, uh, the day that I killed. So I guess, uh, the only other thing i'm i'm missing here as far as my favorite stuff on uh, my equipment was my bow setup i was extremely extremely happy with i used the um the dial site. i had a, a spot hog and the uh fast eddy is what i was using the one that's got the longer bar on it very very efficient um you know it's kind of a pain in the ass to have to dial. So I guess the only thing I might change in the future was would be to have a three pin with the dial. Um, other than that, the one thing I was very not satisfied with and was a little upset with myself, I really recommend if you guys are doing this to use a, a you know a wrist style release, a wrist strap, whatever you want to call them. I've been shooting a thumb uh, for many many years and. I really like the thumb, but man, being out there, it was extremely, uh, unnerving just knowing that like I could have an elk come in and, and just knowing how fast it actually happens. I just felt like, man, I could lose my release. It was, it was always in the back of my head. And I, uh, just wish that I, you know, practiced with a wrist strap instead. That would have made things a lot easier for me. But let's get into this. okay, so we're at day one. I had one heck of a flight uh, and trip going into this. I left the house at 3 am. Um, for those of you guys that listened to the last podcast, uh, I had a hell of a journey. Uh, Thursday and Friday before I left, I planned on actually enjoying you know time with my family. That was my whole mission. I was going to stay out of the whitetail woods and just for the fact of if I did shoot one, you know, I didn't, I didn't really want to mess with it. Let's just call it that. So I had two of my friends kill deer, you know, (laughs) and, uh, it was, it was awesome. I absolutely loved it. Uh, My friend Dylan, he shot a great buck and I helped him get it out. I was super pumped for him. Um, so there was a late night. We had some fun. And then Bo came in, he shot one that night too. So we went back, you know, just a quick recap. We looked for his deer, couldn't find it the following morning. And he went into a piece of public and he shot a buck that evening, Friday evening. So I helped him get his deer out. Here we are, you know, I'm hours away from leaving. Saturday morning at 3 a.m. I was leaving for my elk hunt. So needless to say, uh, I was a little bit tired and, um, it was quite the journey. I'm, you know, I'm nervous. I don't feel like I slept very much too. Um, it was just, had so much on my mind. Like, what am I forgetting? What, you know, had everything packed up, ready to go. Um, but it's still just unnerving. I've never, never been on a trip like this guys and and doing it by yourself is, uh, is quite the, the task. Honestly, you just, You don't have anybody to check in with you, you know, like, what are you doing? Did you remember this? Did you remember that? No, it's, it's all on me. So, uh, that was a new, you know, undergoing, um, and you know, you just, you know, for me going out West, I didn't know exactly, you know, everything that I was going to need. I was kind of winging it a little bit, but I did good. You know, um, I was proud of everything I brought. Of course I brought too much stuff for those of y'all out there wondering, uh, yeah, I absolutely brought too much shit with me, but so we drive um, drive to the airport, get there everything's all good. bow gets through. I had a layover in Denver, Colorado um, It's about three hours flight to Colorado um, then from there, I flew into spokane Washington and um, it was a cool cool little airport um, I finally was I was really stressing about getting my bow and getting my you know all my gear right had two suitcases and my carry-on. When I got a hold of my bow and, you know, and, all, and my, all my camo and everything else, my clothes, that was like the biggest sigh of relief. I was like, okay, thank God. All right, now I can kind of get a little excited, you know, because in the back of my head I'm like, man, if my stuff doesn't show up, like what am I going to do? And um, so we get that done. Then I get to the rental. Well, the freaking rental. Oh my God, guys, it, it is not, uh, it's not what they quoted me. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, this is all my fault too. Like I'm totally gonna (laughs) beat myself up for this, but, uh, so they charged me like, oh, well you need insurance. Oh, okay. That's great. How much is insurance? Oh, let's see. You know, it's uh, either $40 a day or is that this? I'm like, oh, cool. So what I thought was a $500 rental is now a $800 rental. It's great. So uh, I made a little, uh, you know, a story on my Instagram. I'm sure some of you guys probably saw it, but I was like, man, I don't know how I'm ever going to financially recover from this. <laughs> and uh, it it just, it, it was a good time. So I went and um, I was starving. It's probably, I landed and we're on mountain time now. So it's really 12 o'clock, but, you know, from central time, which I'm in, in here in Kentucky, it was uh, three, I think three o'clock. So. I was starving. I found a local burger joint. It was called the, um, what was it? Something moose. It was, it was a, it's a cool little restaurant, um, and really, really cool like vibes. All right, it had like a, uh, like a western cabin feel to it. You walk in, there's all kinds of fish mounts, moose mounts, elk mounts, mule deer. Total cool, like total outdoorsman um, kind of restaurant. And it was a little fancy, a little fancy for Justin. Alright? I'm not gonna lie. Um and then I uh talked to this super nice guy. There's nobody I really just I kinda wanted a beer. I just wanted to like unwind a little bit and like just say, Hey man, you made it. And uh guy was super cool, he was a big hunter. He noticed I was wearing a Vortex sweatshirt and he was like, Oh, you know, like, are you a hunter? And I'm like, Yeah, you know, I'm here for an elk hunt. Guy was super nice and um We just had a good conversation, Uh, just kind of told me about this and that, he was a big mule deer hunter, and uh, just a cool way to kick off the hunt, you know, like I didn't, I felt very strange, Uh, I can't really put it into words, but I've never really felt so alone, I didn't have any friends, I didn't have anybody I knew anywhere around, I'm completely 30 hours from home and really like 40 to 45 hours from anybody, you know, that I grew up with, so definitely a different feeling that I wasn't used to but we carried on I got a elk burger you know by choice it was delicious very very bougie um and uh I loved it and and the guy the guy there was like super nice gave me a free beer he was like hey man this one's on the house like great talking to you good luck and uh, I left and I got a little hotel room that evening um and then I was gonna drive into camp Sunday morning because Apparently, Saturday is uh, the day for the guides to just, you know, it's their vacation day pretty much. Because when they're outfitting, you know, they're Monday through Friday, they're hunting. Saturday is their day, and Sunday is when everybody comes into camp. So, Sunday morning, wake up. um, I head out from Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and I headed a little southeast. We did basically kind of like a a J-hooked, I guess, over across the Montana and shot down into Idaho. And, um, it was, it was honestly the most beautiful ride I've ever been on in my entire life. Um, I don't know if you guys have been out West or if you've been to Coeur d'Alene. Um, just, it's just, I don't know to me. Like it was just the coolest thing ever. Um, and I'm just like a little Asian tourist, <laughs> Just snapping pictures. Instead of it taking three hours for me to get to camp, it took me like four and a half, I think. And, um, cause I really wasn't in a hurry. You know, I'm like, whatever. I'm already going to be there. I figured before a lot of the other guys. So I just wanted to enjoy it, you know, like this is my vacation. So took my time getting in. We finally get to camp and, um, it was, it was really cool. The, the last hour, basically, when I talked to my guide, he said, he's like, look, man, you're going to get into, you know, Montana and you're going to go buy a little gas station, get gas. Cause that's the last, you know, that's pretty much it. After that, you're going to lose service and you ain't going to have service the whole time you're here. Okay. Gotcha. So, you know, of course I called the wife, called the kids, had that conversation. Um, and that was a whole nother thing, guys, like I've never really been away from my family. I know some of you guys are like, shoot, man, like I'd be all about that. Um, it just felt weird, you know, like I don't really know how to describe that, but it's just a different feeling. And I told my wife, I was like, look, if I get one, I'll drive out of camp and I'll call you, you know, I'll, I'll let you know. So it was a really cool feeling. Um, just, you know, stepping out of the 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 realm of technology and, you know, being plugged in, um, I just, I just really missed that, you know, like I think I'm at the age where I was lucky enough to like grow up without a cell phone and, and not really have to have technology. And it just really took me back, man. Um, I just, uh, I really, I really loved that aspect of it. And then I had what I thought was the most beautiful ride in, but it got so much cooler driving into the the national forest that I was hunting, and we get there, it is literally like an hour from this gas station to get to camp, and you're just winding through these mountains, like, going down through these valleys, and I mean, that is when it started to get intimidating, I'm like, holy shit, I'm actually gonna hunt these hills, and I'm looking up, and to my left, to my right, I'm like, dude, this is insane, I'm I don't feel like I'm ready for this. And uh it is what it is, right? Hey, you're there, you're doing it. So drive into camp, meet everybody. Um I met an awesome guy, uh Kevin was one of the first guys I met, and Kevin and I we hunted together the whole time. So me and Kevin got got uh to meet each other first and uh I was bunking with him. There's two little cabins and Joe was another guy, he was elk hunting and um, he was from New Jersey. Uh, Kevin was from Kansas. He's big whitetail hunter, killed some giant deer. Um, just overall great guys. The whole camp atmosphere was great. Uh, the only other dude in camp was, uh, Scott. He was from Wisconsin and he was on a bear hunt. Um, it was his first bear hunt. His wife gifted to him. So really cool, really cool, uh, atmosphere. I was one of the younger guys. Um, me and Joe were the younger guys, I would say. And, uh, it was just a little, I kind of expected, you know, that to be honest with you. Um, but it really didn't matter. Um, I think, you know, for what we were doing, I feel like it's really, it's kind of like a niche group that they select to do this because they know that a lot of like maybe heavier guys or like older dudes have a hard time doing this hunt because it's so physically demanding. So we get everything set up. We unload the bows, we start shooting some arrows, making sure everything's on. All the bows are shooting great, we uh, get everything lined up, sign our waivers, you know, sign our life away, so if we die out in the mountains, we can't sue. (laughs) So, uh, after that, um, we pretty much, like, you know, got a little bit of an insight from uh, my guide, his name was Chris, um, and me and Kevin were with Chris and, uh, you know, the other guy, Joe, he was with, um, another guy that was there in camp Cody. And, um, so it was pretty much like two teams, right? Like me, Kevin and Chris go out on a hunt and we go in our area and Cody and Joe went on their area and we, uh, we're talking with Chris and he's like, you know, I've been seeing this herd of elk. Um, and it's honestly in like a really shitty area. I'm not going to lie to you. He said, "But there's a couple bulls in there, and I think like, I think we can get one. You know, it's like if we can get in there, I think we'll we'll get one of them. Uh, you know, hopefully we can call one of the satellite bulls to us. For those of you guys that don't know what a satellite bull is, it's basically one of the younger bulls um, that is with a, a herd of elk. So you got your herd bull that's the big big guy. He oversees everything, and then the satellites. So a lot of times when you call." Um, the satellite bull will come to you, and the herd bull seems to come with the herd, right? So we go to bed that night, uh, and I say we go to bed lightly because I didn't sleep at all. Um, Maybe like an hour. Uh, the bed was very comfortable. Everything was was great. Uh, Got a good meal on us and everything, but I just couldn't sleep. All I was thinking about was what we were going to get into. So we wake up, get everything set up. It's like 35, 40, and um, I'm loving it, man. Like, I'm just, I'm ready to rock. Even though I didn't have sleep, I was just, like, ready to roll. Well, we uh, we get to where we're going, and we get on that first ascend out of the truck, and I'm doing good. I'm, like, kind of antsy, a little nervous, and, uh, man, I've ran out of breath fast, and I'm trying not to let my guide hear me, like, like, you know, but I, but it was like that. And, you know, we were at about six to 7,000 feet, uh, you know, in elevation. And for those of you guys that have been out West, you're probably like, oh man, like that's nothing. And it really wasn't. And, and our guide turned around and Chris was like, all right, guys, like, get your breath. Like, don't stress. Like, I know you might be a little out of it. He's like, we're going to push, uh, like when you get your breath, we're going to keep pushing. And he's like, it'll be a lot easier after this. He's like, this first. He's like, this first initial, you know, ascend is usually what hurts the most um, throughout this trip. And so we, we get up there, we get up to the peak of this mountain, man, and, like, the sun is just rising. And it is just unbelievable what I'm looking at. And I'm like, like, if there's ever been a shadows, you know, any kind of doubt of, you know, God's existence, man. Like, you can't go there and, and look at everything and just not be in awe and we get up there and and Chris bugles one time and we hear a faint bugle way down but it was really weird he said he's never been up top of that mountain and not felt the wind in his face and it was kind of strange right like I I was kind of thinking you know the thermals would be you would kind of feel the thermals coming up well they really weren't rising um and even Chris was kind of like skeptical about it so we push on and uh, we start heading down the mountain towards where like we wanted to be, where he had seen these elk at. And next thing you know, um, me and Kevin are walking behind Chris and we hear kind of like this. You can almost hear like the ground. It almost it was like hollow, which is really strange. Like you could hear your footsteps. And, you know, Kevin was like, I think I hear something. And next thing you know, we had a herd of elk. Like, we don't know how many. We didn't see them. But they were running away. They they came up the mountain to Curse's Bugle. And we couldn't even... We didn't know or hear anything. Like, the woods are so thick. It's not like you can just glass everywhere. Like, you're looking at a lot of thick pines and everything. So, well, he looks back and he's like super deflated. You know, like, that's not how he wanted to start the morning. I guarantee it. So... We carry on, we're going down He's like, well, maybe we didn't spook them too bad You know, like, they didn't completely Blow out of the area And, um We start listening, I, I look at Chris, and he's like, stop And we hear what I can only describe to you guys It sounded like a little Indian drummer And Chris is like There's elk, there's elk So, we, me and Kevin Both, like, we look at each other We're like, oh my god, what do we do? You know, <laughs> It was hilarious. If you would have been there, uh, yeah, you would have been cracking up. So we both, like, scatter. Well, I get right behind a pine, and he's, like, kind of in the open a little bit. But, like, we both kind of briefed each other, and we are like, you know, like, don't be – or Chris briefed us, I should say. Like, he's, like, you don't want to be in the sun. C- try to stay in the shade. And um, it was a really – wild experience so like Chris goes behind us and he's calling and breaking limbs and breaking trees and uh, that's to like you know make this elk think that there's other elk back there right and we don't know what it is we just we thought maybe it was a bull that was like on the other side because he was up he was like upwind of us not downwind right and we're like this might actually work out well next thing you know I see I hear like it's just like do 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 And I'm like, this is the wildest thing I've ever heard in the woods. And I'm like, I just can't believe that this is an elk like coming to us. And I see Kevin go to full draw. It's like 8 a.m. Like, I'm like, holy shit. Kevin's like, Kevin's going to throttle one. And I can't see it yet. Like from his angle, he could see it. And it's dead quiet. Like there's no wind. And I can like just see the dust from this elk. Like, I can see it in the actual air, like, through the sun shining through. And I'm like, man, like, this is, like, where is this thing at? And there, next thing you know, I look through this one little patch, and I see it's a velvet spike. And I'm looking at at Kevin, and I'm like, is he going to shoot this thing? Like, what's going to happen? And he goes and he draws down, and I'm like, okay, like, I... I had asked Chris the night before. I'm like, if a spike comes in, should I shoot it? Like, what do you you know? Because my expectations for this was, I just want to kill an elk and learn. Like, that's why I booked a hunt with an outfitter. I I didn't have any friends that were elk hunters. Um, I did this purely because I don't know anything about elk, and I wanted to learn from somebody that that did. And you know, in the future, I wanted to do DIY hunts and. I thought the best thing for me to give myself an advantage was to learn from a professional, right? Well, Chris told us, like, dude, like, I really don't want you to shoot a spike. Um, like, I'm pretty confident we can, we'll we'll have at least, like, a branch handler bull come in or something. I'm like, okay, cool. So, I already wrote this elk off. I'm like, it's first morning, uh, you know, I'm not going to shoot a spike. And he trots off. Well that was a pretty cool experience. And it really woke me up to see how quick things can happen. Right. So we carry on. Um, it was just, just covering beautiful country calling really didn't hear much. And and Chris later told us the reason we didn't get to hear as many bugles is because the wolves are so bad out there in Idaho. And, um, when these elk call, it draws all these wolves to them and, you know, a lot of times like elk are in herds uh, most of the time and, um, the wolves come in there and they just tear up a calf or I mean, even a bull, like they just move them all over the place. So it's really tough hunting and they really have no, there's no rhyme or reason like why they're here or there. Like they just basically get pushed around by hunters and wolves, mountain lions. Um, there's no grizzly bears where we were, but there's uh black bears and tons of them. So, you know, the first day was just a great learning experience. We, we just covered ground. We did a couple setups, um, you know, saw tons of whitetail and, uh, and, you know, we came down a very, very steep mountain and it was very intimidating to me. And I I just remember thinking to myself, like, is this how it's going to be every day? You know? And, um, it, it just, it was really cool when we got off of the mountain, on day one, I felt accomplished, like, that we made it, and when we covered that much ground in some of the wildest looking mountains I've ever seen, you know, not that that means much, because I'm not from out west, but, so, you know, had a great meal, Um, I think that evening, I actually sat over a, a wallow, and that was cool, I didn't see anything, but it was just, it was just cool cool experience um I kind of got to do a little bit kind of like whitetail hunting you know like I guess sitting over a water hole but this was uh just like a a wallow where an elk will go in there every once in a while and we got word that uh the other guy had pushed an elk into there so it was a possibility that it might happen and I didn't want to let it go if if it was possible that I might see one so when I went and hunted the wallow Chris and Kevin they went and glassed and scouted and uh Unfortunately, they didn't find anything, had some good supper, um, woke up for day two, uh, didn't really have um, a game plan. Uh, Chris kind of like wakes up in the morning and just goes, you know, flies by the seat of his pants. Like he knows the elk better than probably anybody around there. And I'm not going to guide the guide, you know, I'm along for the ride. So we get out, we go to another absolutely beautiful spot. Um, just, it just looks like stuff that you'd see on TV, but, um, video and pictures do not do the mountains an ounce of justice, like at all. I, I just want to make that clear. So we didn't hear any bugles that morning and we moved down a couple of miles uh, to like another big Ridge and we're calling, we, you know, we walked like maybe a mile or so. And, uh, we get up to the top of this Ridge and we call. And uh, nothing, you know, don't hear anything. Um, I decided, you know, I had to take a leak. So I'm taking a leak and all of a sudden I hear our fierce, our first like good bugle. It sounded just like that. And it was close, like within a hundred yards. And we all looked at each other like, (laughs) holy shit. It's gonna happen, you know. We're like, this is crazy. So Chris is just scrambling. He's like, get set up, get it set up. Get you get here, you get there. All right. Um, he's like, what's the wind doing? If it's not good, get your ass back up here. So I can hear these elk like coming up the hill to us, and I'm like, oh my god, man. Like, I'm like, I can't shoot at all, and like Kevin's got an awesome angle, and I don't want to cut Kevin off. So I'm like, I don't know. I tried to f- pick my best spot. Well. He calls again. And then I'm like, okay, now what? Like, where is he? Like, I can't see him. It's so thick. Like, I mean, it's really, really thick, like where he's coming through. Like, you could barely walk him where he's coming. And um, I'm kind of up on, I'm up above him. So I could, I could probably get a shot down, I guess, is what I was thinking. Well, when he called the second time, we figured out he, we had had all of the cows coming up to us. And when he called, he was basically yelling at his ladies to like, Hey, get your asses down here. And they all came down the mountain and they went with him. So next bugle we heard was way off. And that's when we were like, okay, well gigs up, you know, I don't think he winded us, but he just, he didn't want to have his girls coming to some other elk. So he got out of there. Well, we went down, uh, the road, uh, you know, we circled around and like, we came back to, uh, to find a big old rub, like right there on the main road. And we're like, man, like this is freaking like, that's a no brainer. Like that's a big elk. Like there's a, there's time marks, like literally eight feet up on this tree. And, um, I was like, that's pretty cool. Like, you know, that would, that's a big one and you could just tell by the bugle it was a good elk. So we go through day 2, um we covered a lot of ground and never heard another bugle that day, never had another encounter. Um Kevin shouted a couple grouse, which was cool. Uh I think I shouted a grouse. I missed one, like just skimmed it pretty much. And um that evening we decided we were going to try to locate that bull from the morning, right? So We go out there, we go to a couple spots, we call, and we located him. Um, And he's, like, not close to us, right? Like, we couldn't go make a move in the evening on him because we would have to drop down in this canyon, and uh, it just wouldn't have worked out. Like, by the time we got there, all of our scent would have been just dumping down into him. So we basically were like, all right, well, let's come back here in the morning, and we'll uh, we'll see if we can locate him again, and, and maybe we'll make a move on him. All right. Well, to me, like, I, going into this hunt, had been studying the weather, and, like, day three, I felt like was going to be our best chance. We had a cold front rolling in. It went from a high of, like, 75. I believe it was going to be a high of, like, 60 that day. So, like, I'd already been talking about, like, I was like, I think Wednesday is going to be a good day. You know? Everybody's like, oh, okay, whatever. You know? Well we start off on Wednesday and, um, you know, day three. And I'm really surprised, like in my physical condition, like I expected my legs to be extremely sore. You know, we covered close to like over 20 miles, I think right around 20 miles in, in two days. So like average 10 miles a day. And I was just kind of blown away. The only thing sore was like my, I I was a little bit The back of my calves were a little bit sore and my knee, my, uh, my right knee, I have some scar tissue and it was a little sore, but we get out there in the morning and, uh, you guys will kind of laugh at this. So, you know, nature calls, right? Like, you know, there's no bathroom in the mountains. So, uh, in the morning, you know, we kind of had like our, uh, you know, all right, well, I'm going to go use, use the, uh, the woods real quick, if you want to call it that. So, Uh, Chris had to go to the bathroom. Well, he goes out, and um, we didn't even call her anything, right? Like, it's like gray light, I guess. And uh, we're just kind of sitting over this, like, big canyon. And he comes back, and he is just standing there. And I think he went to go put on his jacket. And out of nowhere, like, this, this bugle, like, I mean, it was the same bull from that that we had located, like, you know, the evening before lets out like a long ass, just, and I'm like, okay. And Chris's like, well, you guys heard anything? And I'm like, are you fucking with me, dude? And he got so pissed off. I, it was definitely the wrong thing to say to my guy. Let me just say, he was, he was not having it. He's like, well, what do you mean? Well, uh, I was just, I just walked all the way over there to take a shit. And I'm like, I'm like, dude, he like literally just called. Like you, you didn't hear that no. I'm like, I just, I'm sorry. I just can't believe that you didn't hear that bugle. And he's like, no, I didn't hear it. And I could tell I pissed him off. And I'm like, great, great way to start the morning. Yeah. So, uh, we go over and, uh we go up the road, we parked the truck and, um, I know you guys think that might sound crazy, but like, we just, we wanted him to think we moved off. Right. So we drove out of our way kind of, and then we walked back and we were going to glass him. And, um, we locate a couple cows uh, on this hillside, and sure, it, like Chris even said, he's like he's gonna come out of that thick stuff right there. Like there was like, imagine looking down in the in like a big you know in a big like ravine, and there's one open patch right like of what looks like grass, but it's really not. It's just like an open pass that that isn't really uh, pines, and he comes strolling out. Into the open. uh And he's dogging the crap out of these cows. Like, there was definitely one cow that was hot. And he's dogging her like a whitetail, man. I mean, just nose down, just trotting behind her. And I'm like, this is cool as shit. And he's bugling at him, Like, he starts chuckling and stuff. And uh so we watch him. And he goes down. He goes down into, like, the, the canyon where we basically where we heard him the night before and we were able to see where he went. So we hoofed foot and we circled around and dropped down into this Canyon. And, um, it was some nasty stuff like deadfalls everywhere. We're trying to get down there and, um, he's calling on his own. So it was great. Just like, imagine if you guys are familiar with Turkey hunting, like this gobbler's just giving it away, right? Well, this elk, was just calling. He he wasn't going crazy, but like pretty much every 15 minutes he would let out like a, a bugle or something, right? So we could kind of feel him out. Well, we get down in the deep, deep, thick timber. Like we're like a mile and a half down this canyon and it just keeps going, man. I mean, just keeps going deeper and deeper and the woods are just so thick. It's like walking in a giant Christmas tree forest and... We get down into this this drainage, and there's rubs all over the place. And I'm like, dude, I feel like we can smell them. And uh, Chris, like, lets out one bugle, and he sounds like he's a little ways off. And he's like, all right, let's keep going down. And, of course, the wind is, like, terrible. Like, it's just backwards. Like, you you know, the, the thermals are supposed to rise in the morning, right, guys? Like, no. Like, I don't know why, but, like, it, we just had bad luck. Even Chris said, he's like, I've never – been with two hunters that are so unlucky. I swear. He's like, I don't know what it is with you guys. Like we just can't catch a break on this win. And we get down in there and he calls one more time. And this thing rips out like, I mean, a nasty bugle. And we all hit the dirt basically. Like we all went full Eyes wide open, like, oh, my God, he's right here. And we're kind of down, like, there's a couple swells in this, like, bottom, right? And he's down below this swell. We can kind of tell. And me and Kevin both looked at each other, and he went left, and I went right. And it was just where we were at at that time. The bull's coming from left to right, and I'm thinking, like, Kevin's going to get a shot. But I didn't even worry about it. Like, I just, I've, I've ran to my right. And I found the most open lane that I could. And I look through it and I'm like, there was one specific pine tree that stuck out. And it was like kind of a thinner diameter one. And i ranged that tree and I dialed my sight to 30 yards. i ranged it. It's right at 30. And I'm like, man, like, I feel like that's really like my only shot that I have right here. And I ranged another tree and it was like 50. So I'm like, okay. You know, with having a two-pin sight like that, I, I knew, like, I was kind of, I would be close, right? So, all of a sudden, I look back, and I'm in my zone, and Chris is freaking out looking at me. And I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, Kevin, Ke-, he's a like, Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. Kevin has a fucking field point on the end of his arrow. Because we he, he had been shooting so many grouse, right? <laughs> and... Oh, my God. And I'm like, oh, my... Dude, like, what... So, like, Chris runs to Kevin. He's like, you've got a a freaking field point on. He's like, put a a goddamn broadhead on. Kevin just throws the broadhead on the arrow. And this elk, all we can see, he comes in. And he's doing, like, he's just chuckling. And i just... Honestly, when he started chuckling, he was just running in, and all I see is this giant, dark, thick-ass six-point rack, and I am just, like, in disbelief, but, you know, I think all of the time I've spent in the woods whitetail hunting, it kind of came into play right then and there, and I knew, I told myself, I'm like, this is it, and... I, that's kind of what I do when I have a good white tail come in that I know like I'm gonna get a shot at is like this is it man like one shot this is your moment like you know as Eminem would say you gotta seize your opportunity and uh I literally guys I blacked out. Um I couldn't tell what happened. I just remember that I settled in all I remember was settling in my peep site to my site housing anchoring back, and that bull stopped dead right at that 30-yard tree, and he is looking beyond me because Chris, he picked up a big-ass stick when this elk was coming through. So it's so thick, he really can't see anything, right? Well, Chris grabs his stick, and he is just running full sprint, raking this thing just like, pfft, like all the trees like behind me. And I think what he was doing was he was making it sound like he was, like, another, you know, big bull running. And he bugled as he was running, like, raking all these trees, making all this noise. And this elk just stops, and he's looking through me, like, trying to find Chris and trying to find this bull. And I just remember, like, noticing the the bend of his front shoulder, and I just... I had a little bit of a, like a sapling kind of like, but it was like a a pine tree limb that was right in front of my shot. And I just decided like right then and there, I'm like, I'm going to take this shot. And I felt confident that like my arrow was going to dive through and go in where it needed to. And I shot and it made its mark, man. Like I didn't exactly know what happened. Um, I remember thinking to myself that I just hit him in the shoulder And I messed up and I should have waited, but, but I didn't. And I watched him run away with about a third of my arrow hanging out of him. And Chris immediately was like, what did you do? What did you do? And I was like, dude, what did I do? (laughs) Like, what did I just do? And I couldn't believe it guys. Like I honestly, like it just hit me and my knees started shaking. I started shaking and We, uh, we went, you know, we gave it some time. We're talking like, you know, Kevin reassured me so much. that He's like, dude, I watched you to make that shot. He's like, you had like straight up ice in your veins. He's like, you were so calm and you like just touched that shot off. And he's like, I know you had to hit where you were aiming. He's like, where were you aiming? I was like, dude, I don't, I can't even tell you. Like, I, I just, I made a killer i guess I don't know killer instinct whatever you want to call it call it luck I don't know but I made a good shot on this elk and we had good blood right there we heard him crash um so Chris was kind of like dude I don't want to push this elk like let's let's walk out of here and we'll come back and he kind of felt i kind of felt like down in the dumps i'm like man i i hope I didn't wound him like I didn't know but you know, Kevin was super optimistic. He's like, dude, I'm telling you, like, that thing is dead right there where we last saw him. Like, I'm tell- I'm pretty sure he he's dead right there. And we get back to camp, and Chris starts loading up the mules into the trailer. And that's when it hit me. I was like, he would not take these mules, you know, way back into the backcountry without, you know, having confidence that we were going to get an elk. So we walked down in there. We find a little bit of blood. We get all the way down there, we take the mules with us. We find a little bit of blood, a couple specks. And man, it like, honestly, it was not cool. Like the blood was dried up when we got down there and it was really tough to track. All the leaves down there were like, almost looked like they had blood on them already because it was like fall was starting to hit there, you know, and the, the leaves were turning. Well, when we dropped down, just to like where we last saw them, Um, I've started getting some decent blood like here and there. And then next thing you know, Chris turns and he just puts both his hands in there and I lost it, man. Like I just couldn't believe how big he was that it actually happened. Like this has been the absolute dream of mine since I was a kid. I never imagined actually killing a giant elk, you know, not my first, not my first one. And all I remember just telling him was, like, dude, all I wanted was a four-pointer. And he just he just smiled back at me, like, dude, I love it. He's like, it's always the guys that are just happy killing whatever that kill the big ones. And uh, I just uh, I couldn't thank him enough. I mean, I just felt so grateful. Um, I prayed so much, you know. When we even dropped down in there, before I even got a shot, I just prayed, like, you know, just, Lord, like, just please bless me uh you know please just guide this arrow and um i don't know man it was just just so spiritual um just such a cool just a, such a cool experience and i just i hope i hope some of you guys uh you know take something from this story uh and i hope you you know it inspires you to want to do it it was definitely um definitely just a life-changing experience i mean being a part of quartering this thing out right there on the spot and watching the loading the mules up what you know we watching the mules take him up out of the mountain i mean it was just so surreal like it was like it didn't even feel like it was actually happening it's just like a dream um but you know so we get him back to camp of course everybody's excited for me like we're partying having a good time and uh the next day, I'm I'm going to wrap it up here in a second, but I want to share like this. So, the next day, I decided to go take the meat to the processor because I called. They said they could get all my meat done and frozen. And that way, like, you know, Saturday when I leave, all my meat would be packaged and frozen. Good deal. You know, I'm like excited. All right. So, uh, you know. The next couple days wind up, you know, nobody else was able to kill one in camp. Um, it just it was really tough hunting. Um had some encounter people had some encounters, but it just uh I was very lucky, very fortunate to to get an opportunity at one. And um so we leave camp. I say goodbye to everybody, you know, made some great friends on this journey. Um just like I feel like every it was my first ever guided hunt, um, first ever, like, experience with, like, an actual hunt camp kind of, you know, feel, so I really enjoyed it, I just, just had a blast, and got to do a little fishing, you know, the, the last day that I was there in camp, but we go to leave, then the real journey begins, so I got a 30-hour ride home, right, well, I decided, uh, you know, I went and got some dry ice and some coolers, and, We pack everything in the truck, and I'm heading home. And my wife said, you know, she's like, hey, look, I'm like, you know, I canceled my airplane ticket. She was going to meet me in uh, Bozeman. So I picked her up at the airport. We had some fun that evening, uh, went out for dinner, and we were going to just drive 24 hours straight, you know, that next morning. We got a hotel, got some good sleep. Cool. Well, our first gas stop that we go to is an Indian Reservation. And I really fucked up. Uh, let's just say that. So I didn't know. I, nobody told me. Um, and if you guys are, uh, you know, familiar with being out there, um, they don't really, uh, you know, not all of them. I don't. I'm not trying to uh, talk crap here. Um, but the one that I stopped at was the worst that I could have stopped at. And uh, I found this out later from my guide. I asked him about it. So I had an Indian approach me. And then two other Indians rolled up on me. It's kind of like, you know, little little uh, eerie feeling. They're checking out my elk, started asking me all these questions. Like, oh, nice bull, you know. Oh, is that all the meat in the cooler there? I'm like, yeah, it is. Uh, and I felt like these guys are gonna rob me you know I had that feeling um it is what it is but the shit happened and I was ready to go you know I mean I don't know I went through all this trip of a lifetime it all hit me right there in that parking lot pumping gas and um thank god like, like I said somebody was looking out for me um They could have just killed me and taken everything very easily could have happened. There was no one around there. It's like a ghost town. Um, but the, the Lord looked after me and Amanda, uh, my wife and, uh, we were able to get out of there, got home safe, got all the meat home safe, uh, everything. Um, just absolutely blessed Had 250 pounds of meat off of this thing. The meat is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I just, man, like so blessed. Um, you know, I, and that was pretty much the trip. I, I, I just don't really know where else to go from here. Um, I appreciate all of you guys, uh, tuning in and listening to me, uh, ramble for the past 50 minutes or so. Uh, I didn't plan on actually taking this long, um, to, to tell this story, but, uh, I did my best to just portray exactly what happened and try to give you guys some details. I appreciate y'all listening. Um, uh, appreciate y'all joining in on this one. We have got a awesome lineup coming up guys. Um, I'm super stoked. I, uh, I got some great guys coming in from PA. Uh, I don't want to give it away yet. Um, but we got some, some great dudes. i super stoked. So hang with us and, uh, we got some good stuff coming. Thanks again for hanging with us today, guys. Really appreciate y'all. want to give a huge shout out to our sponsors, Lone Wolf Custom Gear and Timberwolf Supply Company. If you guys haven't seen the new launch of the half pack from Lone Wolf, it is an awesome pack, just like a in-between in between style of the waste pack and the actual wolf pack from them. Um, I think a lot of you guys will really like it. It's it's a little bit of a sling style. You can use it just for a real minimal um, minimal style backpack for mobile hunting, and I think it fits the bill for a lot of guys. Especially um, maybe some of you guys that are just filming, you know, with your phones or a smaller camera. It's really like the bare bones uh, size. Want to end today's quote? End today's segment with a quote. I've really liked this one. I feel like it applies a lot to uh, this podcast. Fill your life with experiences, not things. Have stories to tell, not stuff to show. Hope that hits you guys. I really, uh, you know, like we always really enjoy closing it out with a with a quote. I feel like for me, they've helped me grow and uh, you know just applying life to stoicism. And um, hope you guys enjoy that. Uh, it's not going to change. So, with that being said, guys. Appreciate y'all. Hope you have a great day and uh, we'll catch you next week.